0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. At Four River Smokehouse for a limited time, take $5 off on orders of $25 or more when ordering in-store or by phone when you mention Gators Breakdown. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month, get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shout outs, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to gatorsbreakdown.supportingcast.fm to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. Gators Breakdown podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter, at GatorDave underscore SEC, Florida. Vanderbilt preview coming up right here, homecoming for the Gators, noon on Saturday versus the Commodores. We'll take a look at the Commodores here in this episode of Gators Breakdown, but also do a little something different this week. No guest preview. I know. I can read the room. Not a lot of excitement for this game versus Vanderbilt. Uh, not a team to get excited for uh, all that much either. So kind of you're know, coming off the Kentucky loss, playing in Vanderbilt as well, you know, we'll, I'll quickly go through some Vanderbilt stuff here, a little preview, what their season so far, a few players to watch out for, but... Do a little bit different here this week It's time to give you guys a preview Of Gators Breakdown Plus Every week on Gators Breakdown Plus We we'll do a Q&A episode With the Gators Breakdown Plus members I send an email, they send the questions Or you know, the questions back to me Answer them on an episode So that's what I'm going to do here on this episode of Gators Breakdown uh, Give you guys a preview of Gators Breakdown Plus Something you get there every week Is a QA and a episode uh, During the season So I'll bring that over to the regular Gators Breakdown side this week. So you can join Gators Breakdown Plus at gatorsbreakdown.supportingcast.fm. Link is in the description, of course. But do uh, you want to support Gators Breakdown, you can do so there. So here we go. Plenty, plenty to get into right here with the Vanderbilt Commodores. Let's start, though. Dan Mullen, 5-0 versus Vanderbilt, 3-0 at his time at Florida and that's tied for with Tennessee 5 and 0 for his best overall record against an SEC opponent 5 and 0 versus Vanderbilt 5 and 0 versus Tennessee uh, in three games versus Vanderbilt since mullen has been head coach at Florida the Gators have outscored the Commodores 131 to 44 plus 87 margin plus 29 points per game while out gaining Vanderbilt 1,722 yards to 870. That's a plus 852-yard margin and a plus 284 yards per game margin. So, you know, it's been scrappy there. You go back to 2018, demo in his first year, a little closer there. Of course, you know, Florida uh, needing a comeback. But um, this includes a 123.3-yard uh, rush yard per game advantage and 160.7 pass yard per game advantage as well. So Clark Lee, new head coach at Vanderbilt, coming over as defensive coordinator from Notre Dame. And let's take a look at Vanderbilt and their results so far this year. They opened up the season with a loss to East Tennessee State, 23-3. Clark Lee not getting off to a good start there uh, in Nashville. With the Commodores. A 23 to 3 loss in the season opener. But then they turn right around, go to Colorado State, and beat Colorado State 24 21. And then Stanford comes to Nashville, puts it on Vanderbilt 41 to 23. Then a couple weeks ago, a 62 to nothing loss to Georgia, where Georgia just dominates in every fashion of the game. Of course, that's what you get with a 62 to nothing score, of course. No, no surprise there, but uh, 62 to nothing. Georgia went to Nashville and put it on Vanderbilt, and then last week against UConn, one of the worst teams in college football, Vanderbilt needs a buzzer-beater field goal to win thirty to twenty-eight over the Huskies. So there's a look at Vanderbilt and their season so far. Watching YouTube version. Here we go. Some stats thrown up for you. Stat comparison between Florida. And Vanderbilt's total offense, Florida 10th in the country, second in the SEC. Vanderbilt, 119th total offense, dead last in the SEC. Florida averaging 509 yards a game, Vanderbilt 315. But you got Florida's total offense at 10th in college football. Vanderbilt's total defense is 113th, so should be. Big advantage. Gators. Scoring offense, Gators 56th in the country. Vanderbilt 126th in the country. Rushing offense, this is where the comparison really should separate itself for the Gators. Rushing offense, the Gators are third in football, of course. Third in the FBS, first in the SEC. Vanderbilt is 112th in rushing defense. So Florida, the third best rushing team. Vanderbilt, the 112th worst rushing defense in college football there's your game i mean no, no surprise there Florida's going to should be able to come in run the ball you can work on some things i think you can be able to work on some things in the passing game here but florida can sit here and run the ball 50 times 55 times be probably be content with it <laughs> we want to see him work on some stuff uh and, and get uh, some more explosives in the in the passing game but you know florida wanted to and there's probably a good chance they'll line it up just run it and um put some points up on the board that way if the season's any indication uh, there. But let me, let's look at right here. If you're watching the YouTube version, you have it. But Vanderbilt, their offense right here, um, total offense 119, like I said, scoring offense 126th in the country, rushing offense 102, passing offense 94th in the country, passing efficiency 121st in the country. Their touchdown to interception ratio, Florida nor Vanderbilt are good here. Florida 95th. In the country, touchdown to interception ratio that's eight to six, eight touchdowns, six interceptions. And Vanderbilt's 104th in the country in touchdown to interception ratio, with Ken Seals leading the charge for quarterback there. 104th, they have six touchdowns and six interceptions this year. Florida's total defense at 44. So you're going, you got Florida's 44th ranked defense going against Vanderbilt's 119th ranked offense. Uh, but here we go, Vanderbilt. As we kind of look at what Florida brings to the table on offense, of course, as we just went through, you know, Florida's offense, third best rushing attack in the country. But for Vanderbilt, total defense, 113th in the country, scoring defense, 116th, rushing defense, 112th, passing defense, 85th. So you can work on the passing game at the same time, even though Vanderbilt's way worse in rushing defense. Come on, you know, they're passing, passing efficiency defense is 92nd in the country as well. They don't create turnovers either. 124th in the country in turnover margin. They're 104th in takeaways. 49th in interceptions, so they can create a little bit of interceptions there, uh, but not garnering a lot of turnovers there. So, I mean, of course, this is – you look at the statistics here. If you're watching the YouTube version, you can see it just right here. Just look at the numbers. I mean – this is one of the worst football teams in the country, and like I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. But there's a look at it right there, just how bad Vanderbilt is. I mean, tackles for loss as well under defense, not very high up there. 107th in the country, sacks per game they're 126. So, you know, this is the game you should be able to get right in if you're Florida, if these stats are any indication, of course. Um, but you know, they've only been they've been sacked eight times this year. Uh, that's not on this list, but they have been sacked eight times. Uh, So, you know, you've proven that Florida's defensive front is coming and ready to play. You should be able to get into the backfield against these Commodores. But there's a look at Vanderbilt and where they rank compared to Florida and some of the statistics this year. All right, here we go. Couple players, a few players here, one uh, on both sides of the ball. Ken seals of course, quarterback and a new offense this year, more of a pro style look for Vanderbilt compared to what they were doing under Derek Mason before. But last year, if you go back to last year, Ken Sills uh, was getting a start versus Florida as a true freshman, twenty-two of thirty-four for three hundred nineteen yards last year, two touchdowns, one interception versus Todd Grantham and the Gators. 319 yards, true freshman comes in. And look, how many times did we say when we were looking at Todd Grantham, oh, he can He can take care of young quarterbacks. He can take care of guys who don't have a lot of experience and all that. But here come a true freshman last year. And look, no need to rehash of course, the course to 2020 problems right now. But we are playing Vanderbilt this week. This is what you're looking for as far as uh, who, who, you're, who you're up against and what kind of players. And last year, 319 yards versus Todd Grantham's defense. It was his second highest outing until last week when he threw for 333 yards versus UConn to add to his 336-yard performance versus um, uh, Ole Miss last season. So that might have been Mississippi State, uh, one of the two here. That was the highest. I think it was actually Mississippi State now that I, that, that, that I remember taking that note. So um, his third-highest yardage is against the Gators last year. So we'll see if any of that translates. I don't think it will. Uh, different offense this year. Um, but two touchdown passes in the win over UConn last week. He moved into top 10 at Vanderbilt in career passing scores. So, of course, we know not a lot of history. You got Cutler, you got Rodgers uh, there at Vanderbilt, who did some nice things at quarterback. Ken Seals in just a season, not even a season and a half yet, already top 10 in career passing scores for Vanderbilt. And looking at running back here, Will Shepard, Chris Pierce, both uh, ran for – um another, Going to receiver here. I'm sorry. Will Shepard, Chris Pierce, the wide receivers for Vanderbilt. Eclipsed 100 receiving yards in the win over UConn last week. It marked the first time Vanderbilt had two receivers reach 100 yards in the same game since 2016 versus Tennessee. Shepard made eight catches for 119 yards and two touchdowns last week. Pierce caught nine for 103. Before Shepard's two touchdown performance last week, two touchdowns last week now, Chris Pierce was the last Vandy receiver with multiple receptions in one game. And if that name sounds familiar, because the last time a receiver had multiple touchdown receptions in one game for Vanderbilt, last year versus Florida. So I had a receiver do it last, last week, two, two touchdown passes, or two touchdown receptions, and the last time had been last year when Chris Pierce did it versus Florida. So there you go. There's a little connection there. Um, But, you know, lack of playmakers overall, but, you know, a little bit of highlights here in the run game as well. They rushed for 247 yards Vanderbilt did versus Stanford. 247, not bad. Uh, Marked the best rushing output for Vanderbilt since the Texas Bowl at the conclusion of their 2018 season when they ran for 287. Rocco Griffin ran for 104 yards against Stanford while – Ramon Davis ran for 76 yards on 12 carries and a touchdown before going down with a season-ending injury. So they had 247 yards, most of that Rocco Griffin, most of that Ramon Davis. Davis goes down in that game for a season-ender injury. So Griffin, the running back you'll have to watch out for right now. Moving to the other side of the ball, you heard me in the stats earlier. The rush defense is terrible. Um, We do have some defenders putting up some numbers at the linebacker position. These are the guys making the tackles. when They're giving up yards, but here's the guys making the tackles. Um, After the season, after the 2020 season, um, Ethan Barr, he ended on a high note, but he's continuing his impressive play here in 2021. Second-year linebacker registered at least nine tackles in three of five games this season, including a career-best, 11, in the first two games of the year. So 11 tackles each in the first two games there for Ethan Barr. Leads the team with 40 tackles overall, and that makes him fifth in the SEC. And he recorded his first interception versus Georgia as well. Vanderbilt's leading tackler from last year, another another linebacker, Anthony Orji. Orji has led the team in tackles in two games this season so far, recording 13 at Colorado State and six against Stanford, second on the team right now in 37 tackles, only behind, of course, I just mentioned Ethan Barr. There's your top two tackles for Vanderbilt. Both guys are in top eight in the SEC in tackles per game. So there's you guys to look out for in defense at the linebacker position for the Vanderbilt Commodores. So, of course, when you look at this, and transitive property can get you in, in trouble a lot, but we always look for comparisons here. The two teams they've played on their schedule anywhere close to Florida are Stanford and Georgia. Here's a quick stat look at those games. If it means anything to you, just going to give it all to you. (laughs) You can do what you want with the information. Uh, Here we go. They were in the passing game, Ken Seals, 18 of 40 against Stanford, 151 yards, one touchdown. As I mentioned, they had 44 rushing attempts for 247 yards and a touchdown. So they had 398 yards of offense, averaging 4.7 yards of play. Then it got ugly next week for the offense here for Vanderbilt. Five of 18 passing versus Georgia for 24 yards. Oof. Man, 28 rushing attempts for 53 yards, 1.9-yard average. They had 77 total yards versus that elite Georgia defense right now. So we know how good that Georgia defense is. That is what they did on the offensive side of the ball versus Stanford and Georgia. Back-to-back games, by the way. So um, in that 41-23 to loss to Stanford on defense, Stanford went 19-29, to 218 yards in the air, two touchdowns, Then Stanford ran 27 attempts for 204 yards. Stanford averaged 7.6 yards a carry, three rushing touchdowns in the game. So you see where Florida's definitely going to be able to take advantage if they want to. Um, More film out there on that getter defense or offense right now. And you'll see how Vanderbilt's adjusting. Uh, Clark Lee, a defensive-minded head coach. Plenty of film out there on Florida right now and what they like to do in running the ball and in running the offense. Uh, So – You know, what can Vanderbilt bring to the table on defense? But I don't see him being able to match up too well versus this Florida rushing attack. And we'll see how Florida responds there. And we're trying to get some things out of the passing game as well. And then the next week versus Georgia in that 62 to nothing loss. Georgia was 21 to 28 through the air, 291 yards, three touchdowns, 45 rushing attempts for Georgia, 244 yards for 5.4 yards a carry, five. Touchdown. So you can see maybe why the rush – I had to go back and look. I mean, I'm not really going to go back and look at too much Georgia and Vanderbilt, but with five rushing touchdowns, 45 carry for 244 yards, maybe a lot of those were short goal line to go situations where they probably would gain more yardage, but they only needed to go a couple yards for a score. Probably how that one worked out, but I uh, had to go back and look uh, and see um, as far as that one goes. So, yes, they gave up 7.6 yards a carry to Stanford, and 5.4 yards, a carry to Georgia. So those are the two teams you put anywhere near on Florida's level when they play, and that was the outcome. So, all right, there you look at Vanderbilt ahead of the game on Saturday. Not a lot to look forward to, of course. You know, if you're looking for a score here, Florida a lot, Vanderbilt not a lot. There we go. (laughs) So, what, 48-10, 48-7? I mean, yeah, that's – doesn't really matter at this point. What what do we want to see? We want to see Florida respond. That's all we want to see. We want to see Florida go out there and dominate much like Stanford did, much like Georgia did. I mean, you're not going to go, especially on the defensive side of the ball, even with the good performance last week versus Kentucky. We know how far the defense still has to go in some ways. Look, don't. Don't use that Georgia game as barometer. The the way they're playing right now, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, uh, you know you go drive drive yourself crazy if you if you want to do that. But we see we should see a lot of good for this Gator team in bouncing back from last week uh, against Kentucky. You want to see smoother play. Now, look, I think a lot of this you can work on a lot of stuff you want to take to Baton Rouge next week, except for the crowd noise and working on. You're not gonna be able to work on this. Some of the stuff, the cadence and slap, you know, clap and all that stuff. And you, no, you can't really work on that at home too much. Uh, but, you know what, maybe, maybe that's what we should do this week. Here we go. Let's get the message out. Let's be loud on offense. We know offense is out there, let's be as – let's be – let's pretend the Florida defense is on the field. Let's be as loud as we possibly can. So, they, it gives them some uh, practice next week in Baton Rouge. Can, can we do that? You know, can, can we get a PSA out there in the next couple of days to say, hey, let's practice for LSU. By letting the crowd be as loud as they can <laughs> on offense. Hey, that just that just came in my head right now. So I, as I'm sitting here thinking about what can we do in preparation for LSU, and the LSU's rushing defense isn't that great either. So here we go. It might be uh, that's what you can work on for 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 the Gators. Uh, but <laughs> um, yeah, there we go. Let's let's get that out there. Let's be loud on offense and give this offensive line. Something to work on <laughs> in front of a hostile, in front of a loud crowd, uh, to get that snap, that cadence, uh, the clap, all that stuff down. Let's uh, let's get that out there, but on a more serious note, and hey, maybe that's a little serious in a way, let's, let's let's get it done. Um, but let's look at, um, you know, you will look at the quarterback position. Amy Jones is going to start, you know, there's no be no change in starting quarterback here. Uh, when we're when, when looking at this and know as much as many people want it, I do want to see Anthony Richardson play more and a lot more. I want to see both quarterbacks out there throwing the ball a lot more. You know, can you get some sort of confidence, some sort of next level Emory Jones? Hey, if it's there, if that, if that receiver's open down, let it go, man. Let it go. You know, we got to, Got to start that. If there's going to be a next step of progression, it's going to be see that open receiver down the field, release the ball down the field. That's I don't know if it's going to happen, but that's what we need to be looking for uh, happening here. Uh, and as far as Anthony Richardson play more snaps in general and more passing snaps in general, I want to see him throw the ball a little bit more too. Just more data points on Anthony Richardson is. You know, where I'd, I'd at least like the start right now as far as uh, what he brings or uh, what he can bring potentially to the table. Uh, running backs, see young guys play some more. Uh, Pierce, Davis, right? We know what those guys bring to the table. Are we really going to learn a whole lot about them? Are you really going to need them a whole lot Um, versus Vanderbilt? No, you're not. Lingard, Bowman, get some more carries there. Offensive line, probably play Tarquin, Braun some more. You're beat up on the offensive line anyway. Those guys, I think, uh, need to play some more snaps. And I tell you, that's another reason I wouldn't mind Florida throwing the ball a little bit more. We saw creeping back up for all the credit this offensive line has gotten this year. For all the credit thrown Gene Delance's way in a more of a run approach offense, we saw the limitations again when Florida has to pass the ball. Now, don't get me wrong, Pasco for Kentucky is probably besides Georgia going to be one of the best defensive fronts he has to face this year. There with Pascal at least one single player. Uh, lined up against, he's not going to go against that many guys against him this year, so it won't look quite as bad. But being injured, uh, and now I also think this, the younger guys need some reps. And also, if Florida's going to—I'm not going to say be one-dimensional, but if there's going to become a point this year where the running game's not working quite as well as it did the rest of, before the Kentucky game, and then the Kentucky game happens, you're going to need Tarquin out there more. You know, I'm, I'm singling him out because he's the guy playing that right tackle spot when he fills in most of the time, he needs some more reps uh, himself going against a pass rush. So that's another reason I went mine. Look, we, we know Dan Mullen likes to tinker and, and work on things. Well, if, you, if you're going to do that, if that's going to be your approach in this game as well, okay, I want to see Tarquin. I want to see Braun out there getting more reps, getting more. And I'm, I'm going to call this SEC reps. I, I know Vanderbilt's not your typical, you know, they're the worst team in the SEC and it's really not even close. But still, you know, those kind of game reps there for the younger guys along the offensive line. Move the other side of the ball. Looking at a receiver, kind of tough to pinpoint what you want to see from that group. I mean, okay, we can sit here and say more separations at times, but it's there a a little bit. Maybe more broken tackles, but that lends itself to play calling and uh, safe routes being run and, you, you know your body turned towards Emory Jones instead of him throwing in a window or, or throwing you open, it's hard to break tackles and, and get those explosive plays in the passing game. So a lot of that is in relation to what you want to see from the quarterback position as well. Um, so, you know, we'll see. Maybe deeper into the – I mean, that's what this game is, deeper into the rotation. Maybe you see more Weston, Frazier's, those guys uh, who haven't gotten a lot of playing time this year. Continue to see those guys go out there and get some more snaps. Other side of the ball, defensive line. I mean, this for, this is. I'm, not, I'm just going to go defense in general. Uh, you know, keep up what you did last week. Um, no goofy plays, no big plays given up. Um, press coverage. You know, work work on that some more. I, I think we're seeing Florida do it more a little bit, and that's definitely what we want to see this year. I actually tweeted a little earlier today as well. Maybe this is something somewhere you can work on. Um, maybe bringing a third linebacker in, whether that being a, a four three, three three five at times according, it's all according to what the offense has given you as well but I mean but is it I, 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 in the preview last week I talked about how much I wanted to see more Tyron Hopper while I still thought there was a place for Jeremiah moon and Mamoudi Diabate. I want to see those guys on the field now at the same time uh, a little bit if the situation calls for itself. I mean yeah Dean, closer to the line of scrimmage at times versus Kentucky and maybe I guess you I don't know, I'm call it the third linebacker, but closer to the line. Okay, well can we substitute that there or, or or the nickel spot for a third linebacker and get those guys. I mean, can you work on things like that in this game? Wouldn't that would be something I wouldn't mind seeing if the if it presents itself uh, in, in that form or fashion. It's hard to do in today's college football sometimes with the wide open offense and four and five receivers on the field. And tight ends who can stretch the field as well. I, I get, You don't see as much traditional three-down linebacker as you used to, but you have had some linebackers be able to cover better this year And Moon and you know, Diabate, the athleticism, those two guys, especially Diabate brings to the table. Can there, can there be a situation to get more three linebackers on the field, I and mean, can you work on, on a game like this in Vanderbilt? So mostly it's just you know, DBs, not giving up big plays, seeing and repping more in that man coverage. Um style of play, uh, defensive front, stay healthy. (laughs) I want to see that right now. Uh, Those guys stay healthy. A little more consistency up there as well. Linebackers going up there and filling gaps, filling holes, making tackles. You know, there we go. Pretty much their wide scope. But, look, we're going to see what we saw in the first couple games uh, along the defensive front. You're going to by the second half, maybe even sooner. What are you going to see? You're going to see – guys who uh, are taking reps. And I know that's a question we'll get into later on in the uh, Gator Breakdown Plus Plus Q&A session. So I'll kind of get into that a little bit more, but younger guys going deep into the depth chart there uh, for the Gators versus Vanderbilt on both sides of the ball, but we're going to see a lot of defense, I believe. All right, before we get to that Gators Breakdown Plus Q&A, let's take a look around the SEC SEC, like we do every week here on uh, Game Preview. Pretty good week two or as well. I don't want to say week two because it's week six. <laughs> um, Arkansas Ole Miss. Ooh, which team is going to bounce back? That game is at noon the same time as Vanderbilt, Florida, but interesting game there. Who's going to bounce back from their big disappointments last week when they win against the SEC elites in Alabama and Georgia? Um, Arkansas goes to Athens last week, gets it handed to them. Ole Miss goes to Alabama last week. Gets it handed to them. Now both of those teams play. They got up so much emotion going into those big games last week, and now you got to play each other. So which team can move on the fastest? Uh, that's uh, probably the theme. I'm not breaking any news. I'm not. That's not an original thought. I'm sure which team's going to move on from their big disappointment last week. That game's at noon, the same time as Florida hosting Vanderbilt. Uh, Arkansas Ole Miss on ESPN, by the way. Vanderbilt Florida on SEC Network and on ESPN, too. So you got the triple header here on the the ESPN Networks here. South Carolina and Tennessee also at noon. So Tennessee, you know, two weeks ago, 14 points versus Florida. Last week, they beat the doors off of Missouri in a flurry of rushing attack there for the Vols. Uh, And then they were hosting South Carolina. 3.30 3.30 game, Georgia travels to the Plains to take on Auburn. Auburn with the big win versus LSU last week. Georgia on the road for their first big road test this year. Uh, they haven't had their first true road game yet this year either. Uh, they, had, like I said, went to Nashville against Vanderbilt. You know that You know that uh, atmosphere there. Um, they had their neutral site game versus Clemson the first week of the year. So the issues we saw with Alabama in the Swamp, the issues we saw with Arkansas last week at Georgia, Florida's issues against Kentucky last week. Well, this is Georgia's first big road test. So they've probably seen the the, the trouble a lot of SEC teams have had so far. Uh, we'll see how they do on, uh, as far as that goes. I know JT Daniels has been limited in practice again this week. But it's all about that Georgia defense and going against Bo Nix and Auburn. We'll see. Weird things happen in this series sometimes, but with that Georgia defense, until somebody proves they can do anything on that defense, uh, it, you know, you could feel comfortable picking Georgia 10 to nothing right now, probably, for <laughs> from here on out, honestly, until they get to the SEC championship game. All right, 4 o'clock. That game's at 3.30, by the way, on CBS, Georgia and Auburn. At 4 o'clock, North Texas at Missouri, 7.30. Florida's next opponent, LSU, goes to Florida's last opponent, Kentucky. Kentucky with another home game this week there. LSU on the road trying to bounce back with their loss to Auburn last week, all the hot seat talk for Edo all week, and now some injuries piling up there for LSU as well. Derek Stingley, I mean, not been playing anyway, but he's going to be out for an extended period of time. Probably don't expect him back at all this season. Uh, we'll see where LSU's mindset is uh, when they go to play Kentucky. And Kentucky, we we said it all week. We said it leading up to that game last week. They've admitted it themselves, you know, um, I've had fan base uh, – put it in the YouTube comments, you know, that was a Super Bowl last week. So can they get past the Florida win and put it, I mean, if Florida has any hope of getting back into the SEC East race, it's probably going to be this weekend. Auburn's going to have to beat Georgia because that's their toughest game besides Florida the rest of the way. And LSU is going to have to beat Kentucky this week. This is the week it's probably going to have. If Florida's going to be in the race anymore, you're looking at this week in the SEC as the most likely chance for Florida to get back in it. And then the night cap, CBS doubleheader this week, 330 is Georgia-Auburn. And then at night, game is not as big as it looked in the preseason. Haynes King goes down for Texas A&M. Their season's falling apart a little bit right now. They were hosting number one alabama CBS eight o'clock. Um, I don't, you know, that game. Like I said, not as big as it once looked. Alabama going to be taking running with that one, I believe. I don't even think it'll be that close. A and M's defense might keep them in it for a little while. Alabama will be too much in the end. There for the Aggies, and there is your look around the SEC this week, week six already. Oh man getting to that halfway point, slow down, slow down. All right. As I said, we'll get to uh, the Gators Breakdown Plus Q&A session this week, and we'll give you, a guy, give you guys a preview of what I do every week there. But before we get there, football season, tailgating season as well, and there's nothing better for a tailgate than Four River Smokehouse, named the number one barbecue in the South by Southern Living Magazine, Four River Smokehouse is a family-owned barbecue restaurant specializing in 18-hour smoked Angus brisket. I got to have that brisket. I got to have some ribs. And after a couple weeks ago, I, those sliders, I'm telling you, I was I was blown away. Because I, I get brisket all the time. I get ribs all the time. And now I'm adding the sliders to the rotation as well. The pulled chicken sliders, the pulled pork sliders. I'm telling you. You got to try them. Go, go try all this stuff there. Also, with those home style sides, those fresh baked desserts at any of Four Rivers Smokehouse's thirteen Florida locations, all of it, get it all there. You can't ask for better. Four Rivers party packages come tailgate ready, so you can spend more time watching the game and not the grill. Enjoy the Gridiron Pack for four for fifty four ninety nine, or the Party for Twelve package for one hundred and nine dollars. Each package includes Four Rivers award-winning barbecue meats, homestyle sides, buns, and signature barbecue sauce. Now through October 31st, take $5 off on orders of $25 or more when ordering in-store or by phone when you mention Gators Breakdown. So Gators, whether you live in Gainesville, in town for the game this week, swing by Four Rivers Gainesville located in Butler Plaza. If you're tailgating from home in the Orlando, Jacksonville, Tampa, or Tallahassee areas, you can also enjoy the best barbecue anywhere in Florida at Four Rivers Smokehouse. All right, let's get to it. Gators Breakdown Plus Q&A right here on Gators Breakdown this week, giving you guys a preview. If you want more Gators Breakdown content, if you want access to that Gators Breakdown Discord server, Gators Breakdown Plus, that's where it's all at. I'm telling you, the chat in the Gators Breakdown Discord, I... I can't ask for any more from you guys. It'd bring it every day. It's, it's, been, it's been a whole lot of fun. That's the biggest surprise of Gators Breakdown Plus so far. I had no idea that part of it would take off. That was just going to be, hey, okay, here, here's an added bonus. We can have some good conversation. I'm telling you, it's uh, it's taking the life on its own. Um, all the regulars in there, thank you so much for t- making that thing alive. That's exactly what it is. Every week, also, uh, you go, you'll get an email from me telling you, hey, send me some questions this week. We'll have a Q&A, uh, and a lot of you do, taking advantage of that every week, uh, and it's been a whole lot of fun uh, covering the Gators in that aspect as well, getting whatever you want asked, and I'll dive into it uh, and get it answered uh, as well. So let's start right here, Jeff Bishop. Do you think the staff may share playing time with the running backs a bit more against Vanderbilt, as in Bowman and the other backs, You suggested the Gators may hand it off 60 times. (laughs) Hopefully we see more than Davis Pierce and the quarterback run, the Rock, on Saturday. Get a little playing time for those guys. Uh, Okay, and there's a second part I'll keep going after here. So I'll I'll start with the running back question. Yeah, I do. I kind of mentioned that in the preview a little bit. Definitely want to see more Bowman. Definitely want to see more Lingard in in a game. They're going to be able to get carries in. Those guys don't have an SEC carry yet with Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky. No carries for those guys. I mean, not even in the game uh, for those guys there. So this is the chance and opportunity for them, Scott, th- those two running backs, Bowman and Pierce, to get more carries. I expect to see the normal guys early in the in the game. Uh, but I do remember what. It was the USF. Um, I don't remember what. I think it was Bowman that was in pretty early, second or third drive of the game. Uh, maybe we see that. Um, Going on here as well for those running backs. But yes, hopefully, because I like to get them in, inserted early, let them play with the ones a little bit too, and the rare opportunity they actually get right now in the middle of the season. And starting second half when some of the backups are in, you know, more, definitely more playing time there. But I'd like to see those guys with the ones too. Get get those guys reps with a better offensive line and and and, and the quarterback position and the wide receivers who block better as well. I mean, if you're on, if you're on the field early in games against Florida with Florida, more than like at at wide receiver, you're blocking pretty well. That's how you get on the field for Billy Gonzalez and Dan Mullen. So you definitely, definitely want to see both those guys a bit more. Oh, and by the way, here we go. Jeff Bishop says this goes, this goes to the joke I had earlier. What's the over or under on false false starts projected to be? We would never ask that question at home. Uh, he says over under at five, so I'm gonna go under on that because it wasn't really an issue at home uh, before last week. We'll see what uh, how Florida responds to that. It's going to be at home. Uh, so <laughs> over under. Let's go under. I think that's a pretty safe bet. Unless, unless let's make a movement this week now. Let's uh, let's see if they'll let us get loud on offense and <laughs> give them some practice for the LSU game uh, coming up next week. So, hey, look, you, you want that environment? Look, they'll do it in practice, of course. Hopefully they didn't practice on this week. You don't have to game plan much for Vanderbilt. you got a game plan for LSU next week. Um, hopefully they've worked on a lot of those cadence issues, but definitely next week if I mean, ramp whatever volume you had in preparation for Kentucky, find a way to get it louder next week in practice. but that's what I'm saying. Let, let us do it Saturday against Vanderbilt. Let us let us be some practice for you out there Gators. I'm jokingly saying that by the way, but there's some there's some hopeful truthfulness there. Let's, uh, let's just try it. It'd be a nice nice little joke there. All right, here we go. Brett Major. he goes, where do we even start after this debacle? Since there's nothing to talk about with Vandy, should we believe the team was just outcoached, unprepared, or was it just pure arrogance from the top? Check, check, check. (laughs) Uh, uh, That's, I I see it in those, and there's different degrees there. I don't think it was pure arrogance. I I, I, I do think there was the, maybe the lack of preparation maybe it was okay we were prepared this won't necessarily show up you know nothing like that will show up uh and the lack of change during the game i think could maybe be a certain part of arrogance too the of the offensive line not not adjusting uh not doing more to adjust and and get better in that regard um that definitely falls into not being prepared uh and there were definitely areas of being out coached preparation's part of being out coached as well uh it was a, they were Kentucky was prepared to play. Um, they had the big plays. The, the attention to detail, the small things that add up, special teams that counts as coaching as well. And they were ready and and there to make those those plays. That all all that relates to being outcoached in some way. Now, if you want to look at stats, and you know Dan Mullen has pretty much said that okay, we'll, we'll look at stats, and if I'm outcoached, we'll go to that, and that shows I'm not. But there's different ways to look at it, of course, and. You no, know, there there were some things that you know, Florida did nice. I mean, are, are they limited at, at, at quarterback in the offense? And Dan Mullen's doing a lot of, I guess, what he can to make up for that. I think, I think so. I mean, he Colton plays to to get Florida in position to win the game as well. But there's the the big picture and things that should not have happened that I think you can look to coaching as well. And it's those little things, the attention to detail, and that's what faltered here for the Gators last week. So Brett goes on to say, seemed to me the play calling from start, the lack of downfield passing attacks, penalties, terrible decision at the end of the first half, and rotation amongst the running backs just never flowed the entire night. Not sure why, but it seemed like they thought they could just show up and win. Where do you see this team going from here with this kind of leadership? Will they right the ship? I wish I had the answer. If you're asking me, do, is there some belief in this leadership, and will they ride right the ship? And I'm and then Brent, I'm I, I, I'm not clear on this about the leadership. But I guess are you talking from the head coach? Or are you talking from players? Um, and, and there, I know a lot of people are going to look at uh, the press conferences this week from Dan Mullen and, and after the game last week, as far as leadership and all that. I mean, look, I asked him about the dumb wrestling fire. Uh, is there still the fire, the passion compared when you made that comment versus Missouri? Uh, he says, yeah, absolutely, and there's no question about it. Of course, so, and, like, and that stuff's hard to measure. And, like, I, I really I, I, I felt bad asking the question. You know, I, the, the fan of me doesn't want to ask that. I don't want to question the head coach of passion and, and, and fire. There's no way to measure that. A lot of people are just going by what they see. Um, but, you know, I, a lot of the fan base wanted to know. A lot of the fan base had that question. A lot of the fan base asked, had that question. So, I, I took the brunt of it, asked the question there. I don't think uh, head man was too happy there, but. <laughs> it is what it is. No, Absolutely no disrespect meant in that regard. But you guys wanted to know obligation, I think, now a, a little bit to ask that question with so many people wanting to know. Took the brunt of it, uh, but there we go. Uh, look, I, It's hard to know what kind of leadership and where they write the ship. I'll make the guess. Maybe the fan of me. There's some hope in here, too. Yeah. I mean, I, I get tired of saying I hope it was a wake-up call because now I'm having to start to say that a lot. Look, I'll, last year, hope the LSU game was a wake up call, and maybe it was, and they played Alabama really tough. Okay, and then you had the 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 bowl game happen, and you can measure that however you want to. And then you know now we're you know, the whole heart to heart. I thought that him and Todd Grantham may have, and if they move on uh, for, from last year from Todd Grantham, and then 2021, and now the season, and then the loss to Alabama, but now this loss to to um, Kentucky again, I'm sitting here asking again, you know, is it can, – can you look in the mirror and, and, and learn from it? Can 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 you take advantage of this? And we're having to ask ourselves a question, that question a lot now. So I hope that can wrap the ship. Uh, I, I don't expect the win versus Georgia later in the year. That's the game I think uh, we'll, we'll point to. A lot of it will rely on how far it looks versus Vanderbilt and definitely next week in, in, in Baton Rouge. I mean, the, the season, if if it can kind of play out the way you can see it play out from here, it's, it's, it's an LSU-Georgia season right now. What do you do in those two games? If the rest of the season plays out kind of like you think it will or kind of the way maybe it should, the way you're thinking about this team right now. So it's LSU, it's Georgia, those two games. What do you do? Most are going to be expecting a loss versus Georgia, how does it look? Is it in blowout fashion where it's not even close? Do you go and fight and competitive and it's a, cl- a close game with, with, with Georgia? And in a way, that's not really going to be enough right now. But you probably can glean some if this team still got, as you're asking, the kind of leadership. If you go out there and show it's a close game and it's a close hard-fought game in a few weeks versus Georgia, well, okay. Well, you you, you got up ready to play. Uh, and hopefully, you know, you're not showing that you're unprepared like you did last week there. You, Show, show some steps in, in, in that, in some of the off-field stuff, I think, that a lot of the fan base worries about. All right, Andrew Ruskin. Uh, after your phenomenal questions in the press conference, it seemed like Coach Dan Mullen started to take accountability. Yes, he did. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, I hit him at the, I hit him at the start of the press conference and then he kind of opened it up later, later there. So maybe I just kind of broke the barrier down a little bit (laughs) and and, and I'm glad other people followed up with some of the same questions too, because I think after that, you know, then he started talking uh, a bit more about it. Do you think it was lip service or will he be accountable in the future and maybe start making some of those tough decisions? Uh, Okay. I guess that kind of went back to Brett's point there uh, as well. I mean, so what are the tough decisions I think a lot of people are asking themselves? And is, is it personnel? You know, of course, the quarterback position is going to get uh, a whole lot of notice there. And what are you doing there? Is there? That, and, and that tough decision. Now, what we don't know is, is it a tough decision for Dan Mullen? I mean, he has come out plenty this year and said pretty much on the surface. And I'm kind of paraphrasing here. Anthony Richardson doesn't know the offense enough to be out there and be starting quarterback. And honestly, it looks like right now, not enough of the offense to get more playing time. I don't think his hamstring was the issue why he didn't get playing time against Kentucky the other night. I was thinking a close tight game. Dan Ball was going to fall back on Amory Jones and his knowledge of the offense, no matter if that knowledge of the offense is limited somewhat by play. Uh, so I, that's one tough decision that I know the fan base would like to see answered, but I'm not so sure Dan Mullen sees it as a tough decision. Uh, Running back rotation, that's probably another question there. Uh, Can you uh, go with a hot hand? Do you keep rotating? Uh, Does anything change there in that regard? Offensive line, I guess the decision on the right side, Braun, Tarquin, those guys get in and and inserted more. Um, Defense. How do they keep growing? They have gotten better as the season goes along. And I think the tough decision there will be, what does this defense look like at the end of the year? Or what do they do versus Georgia? What do they do versus LSU? Then what do they do for the rest of the year after that? Do you see continued growth? Do you see young guys making impacts? So, and then tough decisions, of course, um, of how you approach football games. Um, The conservative nature, maybe. The... um, playing down to the competition. Uh, can you go pedal to the metal the rest of the way? Here we go. I think those are some questions that uh, he's going to have to start making and maybe change the way he approaches the way. I mean, look, it, it's hard to question Dan Mullen and a success he's had, but we know there are some decisions to make. And, to, and in order to take that next step, in order to – kind of just reverse the trend. I know a lot of people don't like the whole bringing up three and eight because it encompasses two seasons. It goes across two seasons. Oh, you can't use the end of 2020 and 2021. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. It's a trend. There's an arrow. There's an arrow for the program right now, and it's going down. It's trending this way. It's not status quo. You know, you're three and two right now. You can make it that. You can reverse it, but three and eight screams arrows going down right now. So – and it started with inexcusable loss versus LSU last year, and now you're capping it off in this eight-game stretch with another inexcusable loss with the way it happened. So, you know, a lot of tough decisions to be made in reversing the trend. You can't keep doing what you're doing because obviously that's not working. He goes, uh, Andrew goes on to say, if this week isn't an absolute thrashing of Vanderbilt, do we need to worry about... Always being that mid-team that could be great. Is this a make-or-break gambit of games over the next few weeks? Um, Yeah, it is. I mean, this week, no. Like I said, I do think it's make-or-break some way in, with LSU and Georgia. You have to be LSU. You cannot lose that game. There is absolutely no way. I don't care if it's in Baton Rouge. I don't care if you're on the road. I don't care how the game plays out. You have to win that game. You can't go get fall start after fall start. You can't go turn the ball over five times. You, Any way imaginable, you have to win that game in Baton Rouge. I don't care what the circumstances are. You have to go win that game there in a couple weeks. And then Georgia, I, yeah, for a lot of the fan base to feel better, you're going to have to go look competitive in that game, at least to feel better. Now, of course, you, a lot of the fan base is going to want a win in that game, or it doesn't matter if you lose by one point. You lose that game, then – Questions are still going to, to to mount. Okay, well, you can play Alabama and Georgia tough, but you know where's the where's the win? Now you got the win last year versus Georgia. I know that I'm not overlooking that, but grand scheme of things, overall record, trending of the program. Okay, uh, uh, a one point loss is not going to look good on the resume there. So for a lot of fans, that's what that's how it's going to look. Okay. So at least look competitive versus. I hate saying that. I don't even want to like concede it that way, but I think a lot of people are just going to be at least looking for that as far as progress this season goes. Now, is that progress for Dan Mullen overall? No, it's not really. But it is progress for this season. If you can kind of call your way back and give Georgia a game. And look, a lot of it's because of what Georgia's doing to other teams and how they're blowing everybody out right now. And then you know, Florida bouncing back from the Kentucky game and trying to make something out of the season. Here we go. Last part. Will you? Would you be satisfied with Grantham and our defensive Vandy gets any points? Uh, yeah, it's hard to shut out teams in college football, uh, and it, we'll see how it all plays out. Now, it won't be if it's a couple, a couple quick scores again, and you know, on, on teams like we've seen a couple times this year, a fast start for Vanderbilt. Nah, I wouldn't be satisfied with that. But overall, I mean, if your backups, if it looks like USF or FAU and your backups are in, and Vanderbilt gets a cheap score or. or score against a lot of the backups, I'm, I'm not going to weigh that too much. All right, here we go. Last one, Derek Brown. What are some underclassmen that you want to see get more playing time over these next few weeks? Are any players developing quicker than originally planned? Um, let's, that's a good one. Perkins, I'd probably say. And I know there's some pre-snap issues still getting lined up, getting in the right spots. Um, I wasn't sure how much we'd see of him this year. And then what we have seen as far as pure play goes, you know, he's got to you know, get the playbook around. He'll be on the field a little bit more. But I like what I've seen of him so far. Any players developing quicker than originally planned, keep going with that. Let's throw Jason Marshall in there just for the sake of maybe not the start. And look, he was a true freshman. I, I, I know that. I'm not, and I'm not trying to judge too harshly here. But I think of seeing the first two games, it's like, okay, you know, you you have some work to do. We saw that, and we've seen him get better. And he's developed pretty quick after that first two games. And look, it was a lot about getting the reps, a lot about getting the experience. And right now, high-calling quarterback number two. Uh, he's to me past every helm in that regard. Um, so I think um you start looking at young guys developing their, let's say. I'll go with Tarquin as well. Braun, I mean, both those guys along the offensive line have filled in, come in and filled not, not a whole lot of playing time. Especially Tarquin, we've seen much. We haven't heard a whole lot about him as far as you know, compared to Braun. But he's come in and played pretty well in his limited opportunities this season. So Tarquin's development, I think, uh, has come around, and I'd like to see those two guys, Braun and Tarquin, get some more playing time, especially as I said earlier. If Florida's going to get limited in a run game, they're going to need some better pass blockers out there. And for all the credit I've given Gene DeLance so far this year, and that when that run game is working, if it's not working, we saw Gene DeLance of 2020 out there uh, against Kentucky at times. So does that mean more playing time for Tarquin and to an extent Braun there uh, filling in for Reese there at right guard? So along the offensive line, uh, yes, uh, the, the, the development of Braun and Tarquin – uh, defense, Marshall. Um, no, and I will go to the back end as well. And I know Torrance, that tackle, well, lack of tackle versus Tennessee. Uh, but we still, that safety position has gotten better, at least in the regard of not giving up that big play, not giving up the, the, the pass over your head. Now we know that the big screen pass, like I said, it's been plays in front of those guys that have, broken. Now, they can't break it down to make the tackle, and then the play goes for a long distance, but the you know, look, I know the Tennessee on the the sideline there, and I'm talking about, you know, Florida got good back to the A&M game last year, and, and the big passes are over the middle of the field, over the safeties, or your safeties not being back there at all, and not helping the uh, defensive back, looking lost. We, we haven't seen that yet, and I, I I know, go back to Mordecai McDaniel versus Tennessee as well, uh and, and, and giving that play, Giving that play up, but as a whole, all the whole season, you know, you take 2020 into account and how that safety position looked and giving up big play after big play, pass over their head after pass over their head. We haven't seen that on any kind of consistent basis this year. So for a player like Rashad Torrance to be in position to not give up the big play over his head, now, of course, see that next step and break down a play better in front of you, but, you know, progress, development, I think that's one spot we've seen it as well. Uh, Derek Brown says, I think the most glaring issue from last Saturday was the lack of turnovers Florida generates. Is there any shot the defense is more aggressive going forward to try and create some short field opportunities for the offense? The offense really hasn't had any short fields to play with. And when they do, we get unsportsmanlike penalties and knock us out of the red zone. Man, Derek, I feel like I've hit that a lot the last couple weeks with the lack of turnovers and my disappointment there. Uh, you had Tennessee fumbling the ball coming into the Gator game, no fumbles. Kentucky turning the ball over like crazy. Chris Rodriguez, the running back, a fumble machine so far this year before the Florida game, none there either. Now, as you said, you had the interception, you created that with Travez Johnson, it gets returned. But it's still that bad throw about the quarterback selling it over the head of the wide receiver turnover, not the aggressive break on the ball. Now, look, I have we 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 have seen these DBs be a little more aggressive. There was only seven completed passes there for Kentucky. Uh some more tight coverage we we, we saw this week in the Kentucky game from the skater defensive back. So you're seeing more aggression that way. Will it eventually turn into those breakaway interceptions. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. But I'd say the glaring issue is, yeah, you've had teams that have had fumbling issues coming into the game. And look, That's not something you want to count on. Don't get me wrong. Fumbles are not very consistent when you start looking at turnovers. Interceptions are. Turner, uh, inter- fumbles not so much. So, yeah. I, but you had two teams, two weeks in a row, that were having issues holding on to the ball in games before. They played Florida, and then Florida couldn't continue that trend. So no, I don't. There's not a lot of confidence that the turnovers just magically start happening. Um, as I said, maybe we start getting these DBs more comfortable in playing the man coverage. Maybe it comes from there uh, a little bit. But history, recent history, says not. I don't have a lot of confidence there. So there we go. That is the questions from the Gators Breakdown Plus members. Thank you all so much for being members there. Everybody else, if you're not a member of Gators Breakdown Plus, the link is in the description there on YouTube, uh, on your podcast feed as well. But it's Gators fm for all kind of extra Gators Breakdown content, talk, interaction. You guys make it fun. Make it fun outside of Gators Breakdown Plus on, on, on normal Gators Breakdown. Uh, of course, enjoy the support either way. All the watches, all the views, all the donations through Gators Breakdown Plus. Thank you, thank you so much. There. So that will do it here for this episode of Gators Breakdown. I'm your host of David. Wa- I'm your host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at Gator Dave underscore S-E-C. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.